It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. This is King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, friend request, and I'll give you one in return, most likely. And of course, especially check out my Instagram, King David Lane, and you can see all my adventures during this year's 2020 Tokyo Olympics. You know, there was a misconception that the Olympics were being canceled this year. They were not canceled. So you can see my adventures competed in just about every event. So check it out. Again, that's King David Lane on Instagram. You can also check them out on Twitter or uh, or uh, Facebook as well, but you can see it much, much better and much more clearly if you follow on Instagram for this particular thing. So anyway, I'm here to talk what else but wrestling. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of wrestling this week. It's been a very, very interesting and colorful week. It's been a very, very interesting and colorful day, in fact, too. Uh, a lot of different stories have been breaking today. Apparently, Shane McMahon is going to be on Raw today. Uh, we got uh, some XFL news. The Rock, not Vince, is about FFL out of the bankruptcy. The Rock, his partners, his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, and also a company by the name of Redbird. They've got together and partnered up, and they're buying the XFL. So, Although there is a little bit of uh, pushback from some of the creditors, uh, previous creditors who don't uh, want the purchase to go through as given, but it's for the time being, The Rock and his ex-wife have bought the XFL out of uh, bankruptcy now, so Rock's going to be taking it over, apparently. Uh, and starting it back <laughs> probably in about two years because if nothing else, you figure even if there's no vaccine or whatever, that's probably when the league will be starting back. It doesn't make sense to start it this year, definitely, and next year it'll look kind of rough too. So I think maybe about two years we'll start it back. But anyway, congratulations to The Rock on the purchase. And I want to thank TMZ News for breaking the story as, as well as uh, TMZ.com as well as uh, .com. Uh Most of the articles that we will discuss uh will be from SE Scoops, although I do have one uh, ringsidenews.com article that I will be getting to in a second. But where to begin, where to begin? Uh, got a lot of sort of different directions we can go for today, but I guess I'll start with, uh, well, Tick Kennedy, like it's already started with the rock story anyway. But, uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll go ahead and get into some further details on that Uh I want to thank Andrew Ravens for SCScoops.com for some of this information, as well as TMZ.com uh, for the news. 
Apparently, a lot of people thought that Vince was going to uh, buy back the company for pennies on the dollar when it came out of bankruptcy. Obviously, with The Rock buying it, that, that didn't happen. Uh, the Rock teamed up with Jerry Cardinal, Cardinales. I'm not sure if it's Cardinale or Cardinales, but anyway, some dude named Jerry <laughs> with Redbird Capital, they purchased Lee for $15 million. Uh, Technically, the company that is actually purchasing the XFL is Alpha Aquico, Alpha Aquico, LLC. It's a joint venture between the Garcia Companies and Redbird Capital. In addition to all the assets, uh, the company also takes on certain specified liabilities, and that's in quotation marks, and will finance 8.5 towards any financial defaults from the previous owner. It was supposed to be auctioned today, so... uh, as I mentioned earlier, Danny Garcia will also be a stakeholder. They have uh, Redbird has made various sports-related investments, with some of them having ties to NFL and this player. So uh, here's a tweet that The Rock sent out. Oh, breaking uh, breaking news on the show. Apparently, Chris Best is here now, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, pipe him in. Hey, Chris, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and finish up with what I was saying, and then I'm going to invite you into the show. But uh, basically, it goes like this. Uh, this is The Rock's tweet. With my trailblazing partner, Danny Garcia Co. and Redbird Capital, we have acquired the XFL. With gratitude and passion, I've built a career with my own two hands and will apply these calluses to our XFL 2020 brand. That's at XFL 2020 brand, because uh, he did tag the uh, XFL's tw- Twitter account. Excited to create something special for fans. Hashtag XFL, hashtag full circle. And then there's a little picture of an XFL football with Dwayne jo- Johnson, owner, listed on it. So, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's kind of funny because just like a week ago, we were talking about negotiating from a position of power and saying that everything was about to get auctioned off today anyway. The company had filed bankruptcy and they were kind of done. The Rock getting this uh, company, well, actually, what, Seven Bumps Entertainment and some other group. But we all know The Rock's going to be the face of it. So The Rock getting this company is a good deal. And I believe it has a lot of potential. Now, hopefully, this is going to sound stupid to a lot of people, but hopefully he will not get NFL and Division I I I'm hoping that he gets, uh, like, some Division II uh, NCAA people to run it, or maybe get somebody who's worked with uh, MLB farm teams. You cannot run this operation like it's the NFL. That's not going to happen. They will not have the overhead. They won't be able to do it. But if you run it like a small, if you run it like a smaller organization that is going to be for a while, no matter what, it has a lot of upside. It has a lot of potential. I'd say, I'd say, uh, I think he is smart enough to realize this. He's like I say, he's he's you know operated his various enterprises post wrestling. He's done a good job with that. His uh, ex wife, Danny Garcia, who still is his business partner has done a good job as far as uh, managing his enterprises. I don't think anybody who's invested $15 million in a project thinks that it's going to be the NFL at any point, especially not in the immediate future. So I I do like what they're doing. Uh, He does have some relationship with Vince, so he can probably take the best and worst parts of that and the experience. And plus uh, the XFL this time around was doing 
okay, it did what it was expected to do. It was, it was getting a consistent yeah. audience. Uh, it just mm-hmm. happened to run into the COVID-19 this time, you know. Uh, they didn't. Ex- they expected. Uh, Vince was expecting to, you know, lose money on the deal for the first three years anyway. Uh, so it's not like it's not like Vince is just like you know said threw threw his hands up and said I can't do this anymore. It was doing about what they expected it to do. Like I said, he wanted to you know maintain mm-hmm. the losses for about three years and hopefully sign a better television deal in three years once you know people had said saw that the league was going to stick around and you know going to continue to develop a following, continue to be a you know a, a viable league. So. Uh, obviously that sort of changed this plan when you literally couldn't run, you couldn't re- you couldn't reasonably run the league under the COVID pandemic. Cause it's unlike, unlike, uh, you know, the NFL or the NBA, you didn't have the resources planning on having to have, do all this testing or possibly quarantine people and all these, all these other options. So it was a little bit. It was a little bit of a different situation. Just like most minor league sports, there's very few minor league sports that are running right now, and the ones that are e- that are even running aren't running to the level that they usually would. So, for a startup league that was still sort of figuring out what it was, even though it was doing all right, it made complete sense just to go ahead and shut it down and say, "Okay, maybe we'll be back in a year or two. But I think, like I said, uh, with the TV deals, hopefully they should be able to either keep the TV deals they had intact or sign, you know, ones that are similar to it because. As we notice now, you know, you're kind of SFL. Your the XFL was a great product as far as providing you know contact and football during the off period of time. Uh, it was more programming that was available because the one thing that usually tests well these days is programming that's live. That includes sports. It's not as popular to DVR sports as it is a lot of the TV shows and other things now. So you want you want that live programming, particularly sports programming, if you can have it. And the networks, I think, agreed to that and they like what they were seeing. So hopefully in like another year or two, they'll be able to come back and we'll, you know, see how The Rock does with this. But anyway, that's our XFL news for the day. I want to thank Chris for joining me. Hey, Chris, how's it going? We forgot to do that part of the show. <laughs> Actually, uh, it's going. It's been, it's been, uh, you ever had one of those days where you just don't you bother with the world and just rather, you know, just not do anything? That's what I'm having. But for the next couple hours, I'm going to be phony and act like I'm smiling and talk positively about things. Well, there's a couple things that's not going to be positive today. And uh, I'm sure you know what subject, which subject that is. But uh, overall, hopefully this is the distraction I need to have a better day. Yeah, I'm assuming you're talking about the Excalibur story. Boy, am I. I okay, well, we're we're going to save that for the end. Like I said, we we even though it is yeah. technically a wrestling we're gonna, story, we're hold it, that. It, yeah, yeah, we're going to hold that to the too many black guys slash problem segment of the show where we do that at the end. But we we're definitely going to talk about that, you know. So uh, I'm sure you have some strong thoughts on it. I have some strong thoughts on it, but I also have some thoughts that like might not be what you think that I'm going to say on that. So I'll, I'll we'll we'll get well, to that a little bit later yeah. in the show. I've gone back and forth on that. I, I've had some very, some, I've had some varied thoughts, and it took me a little while to really wrap my. It's been what five or six days now. Yeah. So I've had some time to really wrap my head around and really put some thought into it, and uh, some of my thoughts will be interesting, but some will be not so interesting. 
Nope. And, I, and I want to reiterate, me and Chris do talk a little bit during the week here and there. So I got his early thoughts on that. So I kind of know where he was going, but he's saying he's had some different thoughts. So maybe his opinions have changed a little bit on that. So I've, I've sort of had my whole sort of opinion. I didn't really share my opinion that much with him. I just sort of, you know, presented the article to him so he could see it. So, but we, anyway, we'll get into that in a sec. We don't, we don't want to, you know, predetermine all that yeah. stuff. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. So but anyway, We'll stay on the wrestling stuff for now, and then we'll get to that. That'll probably that'll that'll be the last segment on the show. But anyway, let's get into some of these other things we're talking about in, uh, in the world of wrestling. Uh, let's get into some MLW. We don't talk that much MLW on the show, but it is, like I said, MLW, their weekly program when it was running was probably my second favorite wrestling programming of the week after AEW Dynamite. Uh, they are teasing a return to live events. There was actually a story that broke a couple weeks ago that we kept I kept forgetting because I kept putting it the list up about it, but I kept forgetting to get back to it. So, but anyway, the story a couple weeks ago was presented on SE Scoops. That, uh, this was July 11th. Ian Carey broke this story. MLW is looking at holding the Island event in 2021. Uh, so that's a little bit further out as far as what they were trying to do, but maybe even Puerto Rico or Hawaii. So I meant to cover this a little bit earlier, but I never really got around to it. Uh, but that is a definitely interesting idea because they said they had, they said they had a plan for even if the pandemic lasted around two years or so, they still would be able to present content, even though they're not taping anything new. And for a while they were running the anthology series in place of their normal weekly show. They would pick one you know, wrestler or one stable and they'd uh, basically just dedicate an hour to it for their really program. It looks like they ran that out after a couple months and what they've been doing now, they've been showing old episodes of MLW Underground in place of new episodes of Fusion. And while I, I am kind of enjoying it, it is kind of you know, very, very classic content. It's from like almost 20 years old now at this point. And while it's fun watching Sabu and, you know, some of these other ECW guys and some of these other guys that are either going on different places and done different things, how sustainable is it to present a product that's in standard definition where you got letterbox on both sides and you got, well, you know, I'm sure the modern fans know some of these guys. A lot of these guys, you know, if they were MLW at that time, they weren't. They either weren't at the top of the game, or they were just sort of in a down period before they went back up to the top. You know, this is like the fallout from ECW, the fallout from WCW. This is right around that time where all you know those you know other companies from the '90s sort of went down, and then you were just starting to build back up with MLW, uh, Ring of Honor, Combat Zone, some of these other companies. So they were always sort of lobbying for position. So you know, you had some talent there, but again, for the most part. WWE had sort of picked and choose who they wanted at that time. And then all these other companies were just, you know, sort of getting the scraps of, you know, people that either WWE didn't want or just WWE, you know, didn't trust at the time. So, but overall, I am, en- I am enjoying sort of getting caught up on this product. Cause even though I like MLW, there's probably no way without it being a, you know, their weekly program, I probably would not go back to their archives and been watching their shows for 18 years ago because I literally don't have the time for it. But you, if you take one hour from here and give me one hour there, now I have the time. I mean, I guess, you know, there's, it's not all downside, you know, it's, I traded one thing for another. So, but anyway, uh, so, so that was their plan for 2021, but apparently they're looking, they're also trying to potentially looking at running some events, uh, soon. Uh, did you see the article, or uh, do you want me to tell you about it particularly? 
No, I saw the article. I'm okay. too ready. To my, to my ready to talk about it. Okay, well, let, let me go ahead and just do some brief points for the uh, the audience who might not have seen it. Again, another SC Scoops article. This one's from John Fuentes. Uh, Major League Wrestling could be gearing up to get back to running live events again. Uh, MLW's Twitter account, they actually did tweet, tweet a set from MLW Fusion. Uh, they don't mention where they're particularly recording at. Uh, most of the wrestling companies have been doing empty arena shows with, you know, maybe some wrestlers in the crowd. If fans would be just to, you know, sort of liven things up a bit. So, uh, uh, particularly with their deals, they signed. They signed a deal with Wave.TV for social media content distribution, and they signed that other deal for streaming rights for their, you know, whole program. So, uh, they definitely would want to get something going. Uh, leading into the fall, I don't think they want to be showing their 18-year-old programming <laughs> for their social media stuff now, especially when that's not the stuff that would be coming back. So uh, I highly doubt there will be, you know, Sabu and Terry Funk matches <laughs> when they come back. Although it being Sabu and Terry Funk, maybe they might sign him to a deal and they'll be fighting still because both those guys <laughs> are going to be like fighting when they're in their graves, I, I assume. So. But anyway, uh, what what are your thoughts on it, Chris? Well, I'm happy to hear they're going to try to come back. Uh, I am not a fan of empty arena shows. I miss the excitement of a crowd. That's always been part of it. But unfortunately, this this pandemic isn't going to be a two- or three-month problem. It's been, what, six months now with no end in sight. Um, every country we're not going to do what we have to do to really get rid of this problem so we have to find alternate alternatives to push through until something better happens so if they can come up with a way to protect their hmm? I was going to say yeah not not to sidetrack it too much but uh, remember you know in in March when everything shut down and then (laughs) We're like, okay, we, let's gradually start opening stuff back up again. Uh, we never really solved the problem. <laughs> in fact, last week we set records for the number of cases in a day again, so we're still in a lot of trouble. And a lot of people complaining about, you know, you know, you know, the, it's not just the cases that where people die because, luckily, so far deaths aren't as high as they were, and they're not at the record number of deaths again. And hopefully that will continue. But just because you don't die doesn't mean it's not a long-term problem for you. You might not die, but if you have lung problems for the next 20, 30, 40 years of your life, <laughs> you're going to look at that a different way than you would if you were just uh, one of the asymptomatic characters having a gadded knee that didn't notice it or just barely noticed because you got tested. So Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I didn't want to detract from what you were saying, but I did want to point that out. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not a, uh, a big issue. You know, and uh, I've talked to people where they say, well, you know, people who don't even believe this is a thing, and people say, well, the the, fat- the fatality rate is very low, statistically. And I have to agree. Statistically, the fatality rate is low. But for all those people who say, hey, we need to get back to regular life, because the fatality rate is so low, uh, my question to them is always, who? Uh, who in your family, which one of your loved ones is okay to let go with this just because the, you know, the, 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 the casualty rate is, you know, technically low? 
you know, if if having a fatality rate around, you know, under one percent is okay, tell me who in your which one of your friends or family members is perfectly okay to let go because of if if a if a low percentage is okay. No one's been able to answer that yet. Yep. I think that there's probably some people who can answer that, but those aren't the ones you really want to talk to. <laughs> ex-wives, ex-husbands, um, any kind of ex, you know, that you might co-parent a child with, those people don't count. It's just your anger talking. No, I'm sure. So, I'm sure it's not just not just the anger talking. I'm sure they would be okay if they died. <laughs> not, <laughs> not that it's okay that they die. I'm saying they would be okay with it. Just, just to clarify, okay I want to make sure that that's, I want to make sure that soundbite is not edited out of context. <laughs> I'm not saying it's okay that they die. I'm saying they would be okay with it. Just to make sure that we're clear on that, you know. Mm. In any rate, uh, let's move on to some other topics of the world wrestling. Let's see what else we got here. We got uh, AEW tops NXT viewership and nearly doubles the key demographic. So uh, AEW's momentum is continuing again. So uh, like I said, about a month ago, (laughs) there were people, you know, they were trying to put the put AEW in the grave, talking about how far they had dropped in the ratings since they started. But Mm -hmm. I kept telling people, even if they just sort of completely bottom out in ratings, they're getting paid for the next, what, three years or so? So even if they, yeah. quote, canceled the show, AEW would still be able to be around because they would still get their money. <laughs> now, that said, obviously, they wouldn't want that to happen, but <laughs> AEW is not going anywhere. Uh this particular week, AEW did 773,000 same day, a .30 in a demographic, which was sixth on cable for the night. Uh, NXT did 707,000, which was .18 rating, 28th on cable for the night. Uh, obviously, when we do the point whatever's, we're talking about the demographic 18, uh, 18 to 49 or whatever. Uh, of course, Chris Jericho has been calling himself the demo god now since AEW has been killing uh, – uh, NXT in the demographic. Uh, and by the way, at this point now, uh, AEW and NXT combined are drawing higher than uh, the third hour of Raw. Raw's third hour is sunk to an hour time low of 1.46 million viewers. Thinking about it now, I know we try to think of the end of a wrestling show as the sort of main event and the end of the show, but the way that some of these programs run now, like particularly like Raw, it really doesn't make sense to put your quote main event on raw at the end of a third hour, because a lot of people go to bed around, you know, 10 o'clock Eastern nine o'clock central. So for them, it might make a lot more sense to put the quote main event part of the show at the end of hour two, as opposed to at the end of hour three, I've noticed something that AEW has been doing. They've been putting main event caliber matches not just at the end of the show. They've been opening shows with them or putting them, you know, a little bit, you know, later at, at the where the first hour meets the second hour. So AEW, mm-hmm. I think, it's kind of hip to that as well. You know, I haven't heard this mission anywhere, but just this is just me observing. Uh, AEW doesn't necessarily put the main quote main event quality star power matches at the end. You know, there's a there's a lot of young bucks and other members of the elite who are either opening the show or just closing out the first hour. So. 
I think that's something they considered as well. You know, obviously you want to have a strong interest to show too, but you want to get those eyeballs when people are watching, like that Young Bucks match versus the Butcher and the Blade that did over a million viewers a couple weeks ago. That was mm-hmm. not the main event, even though it was the highest rated segment of the show. So I think going forward, that's something that these companies might be looking into, uh, even if they even if they weren't officially looking into it already. They definitely should be something they should be considering. Yeah, if I'm running a program like that, and I don't have the numbers in front of me to uh, get into the, get into the details of it, but one of the thing, one of the main things I'd want to do is make sure that at seven fifty eight or whatever time that other shows go off and they run their commercials before the news other networks run their commercials before the eight o'clock show. In that in that spot right there, I want all acts. You know, I want if you flip through these channels between the end of the seven PM show and the beginning of your eight PM shows, if you're flipping through channels all the way up to eight you know, shortly after eight o'clock, uh, if you get to my channel I want I want my names in the ring and I want action. I don't want promos. I want well if you flip through and everything, let me see what's going on on AEW. Just just to see. I want somebody diving off a helicopter. You know, I want something crazy. I want you, as you flip through those channels, to be like, what in the world? And I want you to stop right there. Now, you raised an excellent point. I didn't, even think about, I didn't even think about that part of it, the fact that there are people who, there are still people who are watching live and who are flipping through the channels. I didn't even think about that part because I was just thinking about either, you know, just your own viewers who might be going to bed or might be going to tweet or, you know, do any other number of things. But, yeah, there are people who still mm-hmm. might be flipping the channels, you know, and, and that, so that you raised an excellent point. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for raising that insight. That is definitely a thing to consider as well. Okay. Yeah, that's just one of just one of the little things. I don't know if that'd be helpful or not, but hey. it's definitely helpful. Like I said, uh Oh, here's something that I was kinda shocked by at for about a second and I realized actually probably not. Because again, like we mentioned earlier, AEW is getting their money no matter what for the next three years. So even if you don't like AEW or think they're going away, they're not because they're getting paid. <laughs> Same thing applies to WWE and SmackDown. There's even though they're not making their quote house show money right now, they're still getting their uh, <laughs> network money. And by the way, apparently mm-hmm. network subscriptions are up almost two hundred thousand this time last year. I guess a lot of people have because it looked like they were hemorrhaging viewers a little bit for a while there, subscribers for a while. I guess during the pandemic, a lot of people say I might as well get my subscription back. But uh, they're they're getting their money from the network and they're getting their money from Universal and from um, Universal, Comcast, whatever whatever you want to call the company. And they're getting their money from Fox too. So that money's coming in no matter what as long as they continue to deliver shows for those networks. WWE recorded their most profitable quarter in the company's history. And mm-hmm. the first thought was, and remember all those people they fired and laid off and furloughed and whatnot? But you yeah. think about it, they're paying less people now. The amount of cuts they had, though, are probably uh, helping that bottom line right now. Because even though they cut all those people, they're still you know, providing more or less the same amount of content. 
they have more well, subscribers. No, they're, they're providing a lot less overall content because they don't have all the house stuff. But no, no, I'm talking about when I say content, I mean stuff that's actually being put on either video oh, or being recorded or whatever. As far as uh, the, the TV shows or whatnot, they're not providing. The, they're not providing as many. They're not providing any house shows right now. But the house show money wasn't nearly as important now than it was, you know, ten years ago, twenty years ago. That that house show money is not what it used to represent. They get a. They were getting a much larger slice from network subscriptions and from you know TV than they were getting in the past. So in the past, you you might think all these they lost all this house show money. House show money wasn't is is nearly a bigger thing now, it's, particularly since because you remember even though when you're doing house shows, they were still paying people out of the house show money. They can still mm-hmm. sell those T-shirts and stuff from the WWE you know shop zone and whatnot. Correct. If people want to buy the merchandise, they can still buy the merchandise. If people want to see WWE right now, they still have various ways of watching it. So while they're not you know getting that same you know in-house business, that's for the last you know. I'd say probably five years when the net, since the network started, that's been a large, much smaller portion of business model anyway. So basically, all those people they laid off, whether it be both you know the the talent and some of the backstage people, it turned out to be a net gain for them because because again at the time when they released them, they hadn't been losing money. They weren't expected to lose money just yet at that point anyway. They were doing that preemptively because they're like, hey, we got all this. We don't have these shows. We don't have as many, nearly as many shows, so we don't need nearly as many people. This, that was a preemptive right. move because, as opposed to a reactive move. They probably could have kept those people on longer and not had a problem, but they figured, why wait? This is probably going to, like we mentioned, it's probably going to be a problem for a year or two. It doesn't make sense to keep all these people when we know we're probably not going to be using them for a year or two. And, that, and that's the thing. I, was, uh, I remember a couple of years ago I was doing some research, and it looks like to, for the WWE to run house shows cost them almost three hundred thousand dollars, depending on the studio. Now they make that money. They usually make that money back in ticket sales and all the other stuff. But you know, you have you have to think about the army of people it takes to do this stuff. You know, the drivers driving back and forth all over the country. The uh, <clears throat> The wearing time, the equipment, the huge staff of uh, production people, the creative people, the WWE management, for lack of a better term, that actually you need to make this happen. Yeah, and then they got to they got to rent their, they, they, they got to rent their arenas. They got to there's because like you think okay, well they have like let's say they have five thousand people with it at a normal house show. I'm I'm not talking about like the huge like I'm not talking about like New York City or Chicago. Talk about when you no, run no. your regular house. About when you run your, yeah, when you when you're running in Norfolk and you're running in some of these other arenas or when you're running in like, you know, Fort Wayne, you're probably you're putting anywhere from two thousand to five thousand people in those arenas. So you're mm-hmm. not making nearly the money you think you you might be making. You remember, you might sell, you know you might sell, you know, two thousand tickets at, at thirty to forty bucks a pop. But once you factor everything else in, that's only you know sixty thousand, seventy thousand, eighty thousand, and out of that you got to pay all the talent, you got to rent their arena, you, like you mentioned, you got to pay the truck drivers, you got to pay the ring crew and everybody else. So once you break down that eighty thousand to however however many different you know directions you got to send it, 
you only probably, you know, you're probably only clearing a few thousand on that. Now, the way you make that up is the fact that you run, you know, 300 of those shows a year. So, you know, you get to make, you know, you make it up in volume. Mm-hmm. But maybe they, they might have realized at this point uh, the way the econ- the way the economy of their business is now, they might do well to run fewer house shows in a year. You know, you still keep your, you know, L.A.s, your New Yorks, your Chicago's, and you still run those every year or maybe multiple times a year. But you might run a lot less of these Norfolk, Fort Wayne type, you know, shows and stuff, a lot less. So if you run those a lot less, you still might run them every now and again. Like, for instance, like they come that they used to come to Hammond like every other year. They might have a lot more places like that where they run every other year. Because uh, even because Hammond is like Hammond is a city in Indiana, you know, it's adjacent to Chicago along one of its borders, adjacent to the south side of Chicago. But it's a much smaller city, but they do have their arena. And there's people who, from Hammond who might not either go to Chicago all the way for a show, because technically that Chicago shows are in Rosemont. So that's like, depending on what part of our area in, that's 60 to 90 minutes away, even though it's, quote, next door. Okay. But still, you know, you figure it might be more profitable. Maybe, maybe only run Hammond every third year. You know, maybe only run Norfolk every other year. It, it might be more profitable because that way when you build up the demand for it, since they're not in the area as much, people might be more inclined to go to that one show every other year, every third year, as opposed to, you know, going to the show every year. So these are things that WWE might be considering in the future. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, that if you run these smaller towns less often, you create a sense of urgency when they do show up. If they're only going to come to uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, you don't remember the last time they were here. You don't know the next time they'll be back. You can't overlook this. You can't overlook this opportunity. You got to go because you don't know when they'll be back here. So you have to do it. That just kind of creates a situation where the house shows they do have when you dig. If it was my call, I'd still run SmackDown and Raw live in major cities around the country. And even if in some mid-major city, you know, I'd still hit any place with uh, a sports franchise, any place with a large military base, pretty much any city that, you know, if I mentioned you, like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. You know, up to your Lincoln, Nebraska, and your Tacoma, Washington, you know, but I'm limited to those cities for Raw and SmackDown and your pay-per-view. Now, house shows, I would not. If I was WWE, I'd run maybe four or five house shows a year. And just, you know, random towns, I wouldn't run a lot. You don't, it's not necessary for profit. You don't need them to tell your story. The only thing you need the house shows for, honestly, was for the guys to work out things in front of a crowd that may or may not become story issue. That was the main purpose of a house show from a creative standpoint. And you had an idea, we're going to work this out. Or creative wants me and you to uh, do a program down the line. So we're going to do uh, Chattanooga. We're going to work in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Asheville, North Carolina, Perry, Georgia, uh, South Haven, Mississippi, you know, uh, 
little towns like that and smaller shows. And if it works out, cool. This can become a TV thing. If it don't work out, like, okay, those two just just don't work for them, so let's not do that on national TV. That's the only that's only positive for the company for uh, for the house shows. We said that makes that makes that makes perfect sense. And again, you know, in today's quote internet era, you you still have other ways and other options of you know sort of you know testing things out and, and seeing how they work out. So you wouldn't necessarily have to do that in front of a live crowd. You you very easily could you know put together a little social media team and get a small crew of you know uh, you know uh, fans and to take a look and do a survey and check some stuff out without having to you know do the whole thing where you travel with everybody and take everybody to that town and take an entire team. And it might, again, it might be much cheaper and might save a lot of money. And again, it actually, it could be something that you actually could sell if you wanted to, too, by the way, if you want, I'm sure there'd be a lot of fans who'd be willing to pay a little extra with with their network subscription or, or make it a perk within network subscription where you get to see some testing of some characters and and whatnot, or, you know, some storylines kind of stuff and see, Hey, I like this. Hey, I don't. And you can be like sort of a, insider with that sort of stuff so there's all sorts of different things they could do that could take a different direction which wouldn't require all this travel that they're doing now so raise another excellent point. Actually, when you mentioned that uh, the first thing I thought was you could put that you could uh you wouldn't be quote unquote on the network for 9.99 but yes I would try to come up with a way to profit off of that for an additional 9.99 a month you get WWE Network Plus or whatever we call it. And yes, that would be where they'd be try you know, we they'd air tryout matches and uh you know, you know how you talk about the indie guys coming in for a tryout match in front of Davis and Triple H and uh yeah. I wouldn't say Jim Ross but whoever's uh Pritchett Bruce Pritchett and whoever else is in charge of creative and hey, who goes to NXT, who's coming to the main roster and all that. For another nine ninety nine a month, you can watch this. You can you, you can be a WWE insider because WWE is already pulled back the curtain and said, "Look, it's a freaking show." I don't think I'm speaking too crazy by saying that we all know what it is. It is what it is. And they've admitted it, so we don't have to act like we've seen anything other than that. So. Yo, Vince was the one that pulled the first person to pull the curtain back in WWE. <laughs> back in back. Well, Back when he, I think it was on 2020 or something. One of those shows back in the late 80s, were late 80s, early 90s. He was the one that actually pulled the curtain back. A lot of p- people, and particularly like NWA and some other companies, were mad that he did it. But once you, once you sort of open that up, there's, there's no going back from that. So, right. So we're here. In any rate, so tomorrow night we got this indie guy who's going to come in, and we're going to tell him, hey, we want seven minutes with this guy. Let's see what you got. And when he, you know, runs over, because, you know, he got to get his shit in, now we all know why he didn't get picked by the company. Because they said seven minutes, and he wanted to do 13, because he had to get his shit in. And you just can't, you can do that on Indies and the promoter of bitch for a minute. But in reality, if you're doing TV, you need to stick to your times. That's really important. And that's the thing indie guys struggle with. Yep, it makes perfect sense. And like 
uh, WWE has been trying to do a tier thing with the network anyway for a while. They, they, they like I said, at first it was going to be a, it was going to be a free tier. It was going to be like a four ninety nine tier, nine ninety nine tier, I think a fourteen ninety nine tier. They did finally add the uh, free tier. Uh, I think mentally, like I said, this is definitely something they could do with that when they do go to that fourteen ninety nine tier. So anyway. We have not taken a commercial break, so we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. You're listening to Wrestle with Problems, and we'll be back in just a bit. Hey, this is a Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there, too. Right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation radio network. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. Yeah, you get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. And we're back live on VLCNation.com, as well as, you know, you might be listening to Stitcher or iTunes or a bunch of other places, but no matter how you listen, we appreciate it. Uh, this is Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me like, follow, and firm request, and I'll most likely you return. And again, like I said, check it out. 
on King David Lane Instagram in particular. You can see it on my other platforms as well. But you can see all my adventures in leading Team USA to gold medals for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Um, I'm joined by Chris Best at ChrisBest99 on Twitter. Uh, and I, we are joined by the third man in the booth right now, Brian Hunter at BrockBizzo on Twitter. This at B-R-O-C-K-B-Z-A on Twitter. How's it going, Brian? Going good, King. How's it going, Chris? Real good, Brian. Real good. Okay. The and, uh, so we can talk about this Excalibur cat later on. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that to close out the show with, but uh, I do do just wanted to bring up a couple extra points before we move on to some other things. Uh, I forgot to give the numbers for the WWE profit, so I'm going to do that real quick now. Uh, WWE in the second quarter of 2020 recorded $223.4 million in revenue, which resulted in $43.8 million in total profits. They had been expected to generate $231 million in revenue with just $12 million in profit. Even though they generated less revenue than expected, they earned more profit due to decreased operating expenses. Uh, revenues were 223 as compared to 268.9 million in the prior year in the quarter. Although, you know, this part of that was due to the fact that when they held the Saudi Arabia event, as opposed to obviously not holding uh, one in the same time frame this year, uh, revenues reached a record 514.4 million year to date representing a 14% growth in the prior year period, according to the, the WWE report on their financials for this quarter. And also in comparison, quarter two for 2019 saw the company bring in $268.9 million in revenue with a $10.4 million in profit. Uh, and then just a heads up, they, they saved money by producing television shows from the Performance Center and taping multiple episodes in a row, which led to increasing profits even with the decline. They've also seen a increase in subscribers to the network. There were 195,000 more subscribers to the network than what had been projected for this time. So overall, like I said, financially the company did well. Uh, they laid off a lot of people, which was bad for them, which is good, but was good for uh, WWE's bottom line overall. Uh, anyway, uh, before we move on from this topic, I want to go ahead and see Brian. If you've been listening to the show, did you have any? Did you want to comment on anything we discussed earlier in this show? Or are you ready to move on? Uh, no, we can um, proceed forward. Okay. Well, let's move on uh, to something different. Let's get into a li- little, little bit of an AEW portion of the show. We got a couple people we want to talk about. We're going to talk about some Kenny Omega, and we're going to talk about some um, FTR. First, we'll get into uh, Kenny Omega's push in AEW. Uh, when he signed with AEW, he was sort of their second biggest star at the time behind Chris Jericho, obviously uh, he was coming off some big matches in new Japan. He was a top star for them. Uh, he hasn't exactly been a star in singles competitor in all elite wrestling. Uh, there are some fans who notice, you know, have noticed this and criticized the direction the character's taken. Uh, Dave Meltzer noted on his episode of the uh, wrestling observer last month, the AEW decided to book him in first year as someone who could help build other talent and strengthen the tag team vision. Uh, part of the idea set up by All Elite was due to them wanting to build a foundation before he becomes a top star for them in year two. This still might be the direction that they take what Omega plans, plans may have changed. Uh, Omega is also said to be aware of the criticism from fans about his single career to this point. He said in the past, just because his career might not be what it was in Japan doesn't mean he's not finding success elsewhere. He's also an executive for the women's division. So uh, 
I guess I'll go to uh, I guess I'll go to uh, Chris first on this. What are your thoughts on his career in AEW and uh, are they using him properly? Are they not using him properly? Should he be mad? Is he mad? Et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts? Well, I think he's an idiot. I'm going to open up with that. What it looks like to me is it looks like uh, Kenny Omega came through with the, and I get it. He was trying to put over other teams. But to the casual American fan, he's no one to put people over. To the casual fan, he's who's this jacket. So he can't use his name to put people over and build anything because the casual fans don't know who he is. They only know he's somebody because people like us say he's somebody. So they've never seen his Japanese stuff. They've never seen his stuff anywhere else in the world. It's just a guy who loses a lot, and they got to put it with a tag team. It's not this kind of all over the map, honestly. And as for him and his work with the women's division, I'm still waiting on a written apology from him because in a world where women's wrestling is so good, AEW's women's wrestling is all over the map. They just can't seem to find a direction. Uh, the stuff for Britt Baker was getting very good. I was starting to like the, the bad Britt Baker, but um, it was just all over the map. There was just no direction. There was no. It just seemed like somebody spun, uh, spun a wheel and picked who was going to wrestle each other. Oh wait, they're doing that with their tag team, where two people take a, a color out of a box, and that'll be the tag team. And, yeah, I want a written apology from this girl, mate. Sorry, I just did. It's horrible. Okay, uh, interesting take. Let, let's hey, let's get Brian's take on this. Well, uh, let me see. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I gather agree with Chris on pretty much everything he um has um, said and everything. Um, now. Kenny Omega, I'm still trying to see how um, they, okay, they're going to pull this big thing um, also, but I'm confident in that, though, but like um, with, um, with the women, it's like the women's division is, is really not where it needs to be at. Um, and, and then you, you're trying to add another title to it. It's, it's um, okay, you barely got five good wrestlers in that division. I'm not even sure if I can name five good wrestlers in the AEW women's division. Now, as bad as um, Impact is, at least their women's division is solid. Not great, but it's solid. Okay. I'll go go a little bit with you on it, but I'm also going to take a slightly different take on it. Uh, one of the problems that AEW was starting to get when, when they first put together is every, there were a lot of people who were thinking, well, it's just the Young Bucks and their buddies and their friends, and they're all going to like book themselves to be at the top of the division, and nobody else is going to have a chance. So, you know, this is going to be the same thing that happened in WCW when Hogan wouldn't job to anybody, when, uh, you know, all the top guys could sort of, you know, Plain old direction, and then you just ended up with a product that was like wasn't actually going anywhere. 
I think AEW went out of their way to make sure that wasn't the case. They didn't all just book themselves to the top of the division immediately. It made perfect sense to make Jericho the first champion because he was the most highly decorated guy. He's, he's, he's already a legend. His place in business is solid, so it made complete sense to put him on top. And since you were putting him on top at the beginning, it you know it made sense. Obviously, you, you did while you did have Kenny Omega sort of compete with him early. Uh, you sort of had to put him in a secondary position if you're going to have Jericho at the top once the title was won. I didn't necessarily agree with them putting him in the tag division immediately, you know, fairly soon, just to the fact that you already had the Young Bucks sitting there as a potential you know main event team. So it was kind of weird that. The Young Bucks, which is the best tag in the world, have not held the belts yet. But you've also had SCU hold the belts. You've had uh, Paige and Omega, which was a team that was just sort of thrown together, hold the belts now, even though they're both individually talented. So that didn't, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But at the same time, you didn't, you didn't necessarily need to get Kenny Omega his, immediately, his immediate push. I think that push is coming for him. But with him being an executive in a company, just like Cody Rhodes being an executive in a company, the Young Bucks being executives in a company, you don't have to push those guys immediately. All those guys positioned in the company is very, very safe. You can push any one of those guys or any combination of those guys at any point, and it would be, you know, realistic to do it, and it'd be safe to do it. But you don't have to do it right now. You're, you're letting these guys sort of, you know, put some shine on some other people. While the Young Bucks did beat the Butcher and the Blade, the Butcher and the Blade looked incredible in that match, and that helped elevate their position. They have done good jobs using some of this other talent to elevate other people. Jericho, even even though he was a champion, he he's he's helped a lot of guys get to shine. He helped build Orange Cassidy up into a uh, very very top player, even though Orange Cassidy lost the match. So they, I think they're doing a good job with sort of with their long term vision building not just themselves up because their positions are safe, but they're building all this other talent that could be, you know, very good for the company for the next five to ten years as well. So I don't like I said, I probably would have liked them give a little bit more of a push to Kenny Omega as a singles guy. But since they already knew they were already going to push Jericho at that top position anyway, it kind of made sense that okay, we'll find something else for him to do. So he doesn't have to be mad. He knows his position is safe. When he's when the time is right, but to put him on top, he'll be ready. It won't it won't take a lot of time for them to build. Have to build him back up. It's not like he's been jobbed into the ground either. Even though he hasn't been in a prominent singles position since losing the title match to Jericho, it's not like he's just been losing a ton of matches either. So all they need is maybe a month or two of him, getting, you know, getting some strong wins, and he's right back in the title picture. And I think they can be comfortable with that. So I think that's their overall strategy. One, even though their core group is going to be the core of the company at the beginning, they didn't want to push them all at the beginning together just to avoid that criticism of the fans. But two, they all know their position is safe. So there's they can when it's time for them to get their push, they'll all get it. I'm okay with that. And they said there would be there would be long term storytelling there. And that's what they're going with. They go on long-term storytelling, and one if if it comes down to a Hangman Omega feud, that'll put both of those guys right back up top. When that feud is over, they can go pursue different people, and both of those guys will be at the top of the card. 
Now, yeah. Now, if we're having the same argument three years from now, then we'll know we will have had a problem. <laughs> But, but for now, I'm good with it. Because again, it's, it's even though it's like it's not like any of the people we mentioned have been jobbed into the ground. And Cody even right. took himself out of the world heavyweight title picture. And then you know, next thing you know, he's in the he's he's holding the TNT you know uh, title and defending that every week. So I kind of wondered why he did that initially. But again, he's helping build a mill card. And he's helping build all these other, you know, indie guys and guys you can try out. So it's completely sort of different direction to go with the company. So that's another thing. While I was, I was kind of disappointed when they did it that way. I also kind of know why he, why he did it that way. Because again, with him being one of the head executives companies, he always felt that his dad got criticized for booking himself to have the title. So he didn't want to do that same thing himself. So it kind of makes sense. Anyway, let's move on to some other uh, AEW news. FDR signed a multi-year deal with AEW, and as part of their, quote, contract, wink, wink, they got a tag team appreciation night set, so FTR is staying with AEW. Uh, this is one of those things where it's kind of real news, kind of work news. Because obviously, anytime you see something, quote, on TV, it's part of the work, whether they want it to be or not. But I did like some of the stuff they included because there have been social media criticism as far as, you know, not uh, being able to get heat the proper way because they didn't have, even though they have a 10-second rule for the double teaming for a tag team match when you tag out, even with the 10-second rule, which is double the quote rule for most companies, they still weren't really enforcing it. The referee wasn't paying all that close attention. So as part of their contract, wink, wink, they get they get negotiated. The 10-second rule has to be strictly enforced, and there has to be a tag rope with all their matches. Now, I'm going to be honest. I hadn't even noticed that there was no tag rope for the other tag team matches. Have either you guys noticed that there was no tag rope? I noticed it, and I noticed that uh, there's a thousand horrible tags. The uh, You tag for pretty much anywhere. Half the matches don't tag at all. There's always some point in the AEW tag team match where the referee gives a special signal and everybody rushes the ring and it happens every time. So I would like to see quote-unquote old-school tag wrestling in AEW. I think that would give them a different style to to force the young, you know, so when this deal, the young one comes up, which has to happen, that's the money, and I'm hoping they're just waiting until they can do that in front of people. Because there's obviously be more money in that. But hopefully, that'll, you know, then they say, okay, fine, we'll wrestle your way. But if stipulation, we win, we wrestle our way. And, well, you know, hopefully they can spin that well. That has a lot of potential to be good. Yeah, like I said, you raised you raise a, raise a good point with that as far as, because uh, they negotiated the rule only if those strictly enforced rules only apply to their matches for the FT, FTR. But yeah, you, that is something you could use, you know, you could use in the negotiations, you know, since we got this in our contract, uh, there could be a stipulation where if one team is in for the next, if they do the next match, they could have it one way, or you could do it in a situation where uh, the way that would make more sense is you have them wrestle the singles and then, Whoever wins the singles matches, whoever comes out two and on the singles matches, or you might have to have some sort of third tiebreaker match where if we win the match, we get it or you get it that way. That would be the way to handle that. But 
I've always thought like if you're gonna have rules, you have to enforce the rules. The original the original rule was that uh AEW would have a ten second rule for double teaming as opposed to the five second rule for both matches. Okay. If you inf- if you bring in that ten second rule, then enforce the rule. It looks silly if you go through this effort and announce this rule and then even then you have even though you have twice as much time, you're not you're still not enforcing it. So I'm I'm glad that they pointed that out. And, and, and made that rule. I also like the little thing where there's going to be a tag rule, but the tag rule only applies to their matches. So I thought that was kind of funny. So also like I'm also excited to see what they do with this quote tag team appreciation night. Is is there going to be like a history of tag teams? Are they going to like bring out some classic tag teams? Are we going to get to see the Rock and Roll Express come out? You know, are we going to see the Midnight Express come out? Are we going to see you know what's left with the Road Warriors or some of these other teams come out? Demolitions. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they do with that. Although again, you know, with this being a pandemic, maybe you don't want to drag some of these older guys out and have them around a lot of people. That that could be a thing that happens to. Any rate, uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm curious, like, um, how they're gonna um, do this. Um, AEW been, I guess to say it um, politely, that they've been full of surprises. So. I'm um, I'm just waiting as a wrestling fan, um, as as like the rest of you guys. Okay, good to hear. Good to hear. Like I said, so it is something that you're looking forward to as well. So I think we're we're in unanimous agreement. This could be very very fun, and AEW does do, sort of do a good job with their surprises. So anyway, let's move on to uh, to uh, some WWE news. Some more WWE news. Uh, Shane McMahon is apparently coming back from Raw. That's one story we got coming for Raw. But there's also supposed to be a stable that's supposed to be debuting on Raw tonight. Now, th- these two things haven't necessarily been connected. So, there's a possibility he might be involved in this, possibility he might not be. But you got these two stories as far as big breaking news for Raw. But then you got a third story as well. Apparently, there's, quote, chaos backstage in WWE because they're supposed to be taping two episodes. And then the crews are not prepared. The first episode allegedly being taped is changed on the fly, while the second episode, which is supposed to be next week, is still not is still not complete yet. Uh, now this is according to uh, Scott Lazara of SC Scoops. Uh, Vince McMahon is at the tapings as well. His move was said to be volatile due to indecisiveness and the chaos. So, and then it said a lot of stress is being blamed on indecisiveness. So, what the hell is happening with WWE? I'll go to Chris first. That's a good question. Because I really don't know. The uh, I read the report, but if the old man is there, there should be no indecisiveness. You know, that place is still a dictatorship. If the old man is there, he should say, look, this is what we're going to do. And that should end it all. Now, I'm guessing he wants the Bruce Pritchard types who just kind of know what he's thinking. And, you know, they can just kind of roll without him. But 
if there's any kind of indecisiveness, Vince should be there to shut it all down. Hey, this is what we're going to do. And he should say, this is what we're going to do, and that's what people should do. And if, it, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. The boss made the call. That should end it. Apparently, that's just not how it's working out right now. Yeah, like I said, that's that's what I couldn't get. Because if it said it, since it specifically mentioned Vince was there, you figure Vince is there, that ends all the indecisiveness or the uh, the, the trauma as soon as coming from anybody else. Now, if the trauma is and the drama starts coming from him, then that's definitely a problem then. Because normally, when you're the top guy like that and you basically own the company, you pretty much run the show. All, all the buck stops with you. I figured there could only be two reasons that there could be a problem. One would be Vince, and two would be Bruce Pritchard. Obviously, Vince being the top guy, after uh, everybody else came, he took me out like Derek Bischoff was pushed off. And apparently, Brian's volume is back up, so I'm going to go ahead and put him on mute. Brian, you got to, whatever the other thing you listen to, you got to put it down. So, anyway, apparently, if, if Vince is, in, obviously, Vince is always in charge, no matter what. No matter what everybody else is saying, he's in charge. Bruce Richard has sort of consolidated his secondary role. They got rid of Paul Heyman. They got rid of Eric Bischoff. So that means I always assume at this point Bruce is doing most of the most direct hands-on stuff, and then he's just taking everything he after he finishes and taking it to Vince, and Vince is giving the final okay. <coughs> so I would assume that's what's happening. If that's not what's happening, then it, we've either had changes in the, you know, the writing team that we're not aware of, or, you know, Bruce is losing the confidence of Vince, which would be another problem because you just had all these changes already. He's only been, you know, quote, in charge of the writing team for like the last, what, two months or so. So if you, if you're having to do another change as far as who's in charge of the writing team again, that quickly, that's another problem. Cause not in addition to just uh, Bischoff and uh, Paul Heyman being gone, there's also been several writers who have been either laid off or fired over the last couple months as well. So all of a sudden, if you have chaos and you've already, you know, sort of gone through the trouble of firing a lot of people and laying off a lot of people, it makes you worry about either is Vince's confidence in Bruce no longer there? Was it misplaced in the first place? Or is, you know, Vince having an episode where maybe he's no longer competent to be running the show. So out of all these various options, I don't know which one is true, but obviously none of them are good. <laughs> you know, I didn't think about the one about Vince being the one, because technically, like you said, I come in, this is my show, I'm telling you, this is what we're going to do. You like it, you don't like it, I don't care, that's not my problem. This is what you're about to do. But if Vince himself is the one who can't figure out what's going on, that would be turmoil to everyone underneath him. Because if he's saying, hey, let's do it this way, and guys start getting ready to do it this way, you say, no, let's do it that way, and now they got to stop what they're doing and get another crew of guys to do something differently. you got everything going back and forth. That is extreme chaos. That is begging for disaster. Oh, I have an alternate theory, though. You want to hear it? Always. Vince is just Vince is just really pissed off that the Rock bought the XFL from under him, <laughs> and that threw everything else off. <laughs> he thought he could buy it back for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, and then Rock bought it from out from under him. He's like, "Damn it, we're gonna form a new corporation and take down the Rock," <laughs> and that's why Shane's back. 
And that's the new stable that we're probably getting tonight. A new stable dedicated to take the rock down 20 years later. <laughs> anyway. They don't let things die. <laughs> yeah. They're going to hold a grudge so forever. Yeah, so let's, let's go ahead and... Uh, actually, if you think about it, that would be the Nation of Domination's Revenge. They were trying to bring the Nation of Domination stable back to, apparently. So all of a sudden, the rock buys the XFL. It turns out the Nation of Domination is one. <laughs> So anyway, I'm going to bring Brian back Hopefully, uh, Brian, if you have the volume up However you were listening to the show, make sure that's down I'm bring you back and let you get your opinion on this uh, Whole writing situation Behind the scenes raw thing Okay, Brian, what are your thoughts on it? Well, the way I look at it Is that um, Like all of us um, already know Wrestling Itself is um, In shambles in the WWE by um, Ben still being um, the head man in charge isn't going to get any better until he just decides to um, hang it up, ride off in the sunset, and let Triple H run the show. Because, why? okay, why are you um, trying to have the same people do the same thing and then think he's going to get a better result? A lot of their days is over with. Heyman... I will say it was a good selection, but Vince panicking and being um, erratic and impatient didn't help his own situation. Yeah, that's, that's been a sort of ongoing problem in wrestling over the time I've been watching it for like 20 years because I've had access to the internet. When somebody says we're going to change up and create new stars, it's going to take a year, year and a half to build these stars, and then you don't give that person a year, year and a half to rebuild new stars. It happened with Vince Russo in WCW, that happened with Paul Heyman on Raw. If, 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 you, if you have trust in the guy that you're hiring to do the job, let them do the job, and then when that year, year and a half is up, if they still haven't done the job, that's when you make the change. You don't try to hot shot because you don't like the radio situation, particularly when you're in a long-term contract. It's not like Raw or SmackDown, you know, has a long, you know, has to negotiate this new deal in the next couple years. Both these deals are signed and they're going to be in force for a while. So these fucking ratings don't matter. What you're trying to do is get to the point where by the time you negotiate the next deal, you have that next team of stars ready where the ratings consistent for that last year to the deal as opposed to the whole three or four years of the current deal. So you need to start trusting people from the long-term perspective and then let them go. Hey, Brian, are you, are you riding the train right now? Say it again. Are you riding on a train right now? No. Are you driving in the car right now? I am driving in the car. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and put you on hold. Hopefully, like I said, I'll try to bring you back in a few minutes because we're going to talk about Excalibur. But the noise is too loud in the background. So we're going to go ahead and, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. Uh, let me double check and make sure I got everything else in that I want to get because we're going to do the Too Many Black Guys segment coming up in just a second. So, yep, looks like we've covered everything. Now we're going to talk about Excalibur using the N-word uh, in some multiple videos. So uh, if you're not comfortable uh, hearing our political views and our Too Many Black Guys segment and our, you know, problem segment, right. you, now's a good time for you to, you know, you move on with the rest of your life after the commercial break, because you got a list of commercials before you go. But uh, otherwise, we'll be back, and we'll be talking about if couple use an N-word and some related topics. You're listening to Wrestle With Problems, and we'll be back in just a bit.
This is Lance Storm, and if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to VOC Nation Worldwide. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Frisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Works, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. Both shows take callers live during the show, and recent guests have included... General Adnan, Tito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Dangerous Danny Davis, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter, at VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. The morning after, right here on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Brady Hicks and... Homeboy Rap Boy here. I tell you what, we got a good show right here in the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time on the VOC Nation. Talking wrestling, football, news, whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. And we're back live on Wrestle with Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on pretty much every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, a friend request, and I'll give you one in return. Uh, also, like King David Comedy on most social media platforms as well. And by the way, I did mention this a few weeks ago. I finally have shot it. Uh, New Jack for President campaign that will be dropping sometime in the next two days so i'm gonna try to get it out tonight which is you know monday night but if i can't get it out tonight i will get definitely get it out tomorrow so if any point you're listening to this tuesday or later it should be up so definitely new jack for president check it out on king david lane twitter king david comedy uh those two platforms so anyway let's get back in, into the too many black guys segment of the show uh any rate, here we go. That's too many black guys. Dude, the ratio's off. That's the ratio's off. 
uh, really not too long after we went off the air last week, this story was sort of breaking. Uh, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Actually, I take that back. I think it was actually. I think it broke last Thursday. I take that back. It wasn't right after we went on. I think I, broke, I think it was either late Wednesday or early Thursday that it broke. But uh, Excalibur because I remember watching on Wednesday to see if he'd be there. So it had to be Monday. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's 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 the hard thing to remember now. The shows on Monday because I was doing. I was I couldn't remember when we did stuff. But yeah, that's right because it it was last week, last Wednesday. He was not on the show last Wednesday, so I stand corrected. It did it did indeed break either right off we up the show over early Tuesday. But anyway, because yeah, he's already not going in the air because you did tell me that your your initial thought was if he's on the show Wednesday, you were pretty much done with AEW. That's what you told me at the time. I didn't really give any opinions on it at the time because I like I like to share the stuff when we're actually on the air because it's, it's more fresh when we talk about it once as opposed to twice. But at any rate, uh, basically, if you're not familiar with the story, he was multiple videos have resurfaced of him using the N word on video. So when they when I first heard the story and it didn't actually link to the videos, I was like, I was thinking, oh no, this is another Hulk Hogan situation where you know he's popping off at the mouth with his racist opinions about stuff. So this is a problem. Uh, later on, I got a little bit more information, and it said you know it was, it was basically a situation where he was doing this in promos, apparently for uh, I believe for it was was it Combat Zone that he was doing this for. Well, the one where he came out with Kevin Steen, and he got the promo calling uh, Generico a quote beaner. And the other guy, anywhere that was PWG. Okay, uh, yeah, pro I saw a couple of other ways did promos. Huh? Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Yeah. For people who don't know what PWG is. But uh, there's another promo that I didn't know exactly who he was cutting that promo for. Okay, so... Initially, when I first saw it, I was like, I was thinking, I thought it was just something he was doing, you know, his personal life. I did, I was not aware it was wrestling-related stuff. But apparently, this is something that was done to generate heel heat for his character at the time, who was a heel. And uh, and apparently, one of the promos that was cut, he was feuding with the Human Tornado, uh, and the Human Tornado was the one that actually encouraged him to cut the promo that way to help generate heat for him and obviously, you know, help generate, you know, make him more of a face having this guy, you know, use racial slurs against him. Uh, now, when I first heard the original thoughts, when I thought when I was like, this is unacceptable. Uh, this definitely needs to be, you know, dealt with. He needs to be, he needs to be fired altogether from the program. Because I thought he was, this is since saying stuff in a personal life. Now, I haven't, like, looking back, knowing now that these are promos, I am by no means saying that this is okay or that it's excusable. But I look at it a little bit in a different light with it being a promo. Obviously, you know, the world has advanced a lot in the last 15 years. Uh, Even stuff that was, quote, you were trying to be, quote, extreme back in the day, you know, even that's a little, that looks a little bit different under the life, Back Lives Matter thing and society be, becoming a lot more woke over the last, you know, really the last few months, if you think about it, as opposed to the last few years. But he definitely needed to be suspended because, like I said, 
again, you know, he said this stuff, and even 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 in the past, that that probably wouldn't have been acceptable because even in like the old quote Southern wrestling, <laughs> that still was a hard line that you didn't cross. You didn't use the N word in a promo on television <laughs> when you were a white guy. It wasn't even really all that acceptable for a black guy that you said it with a with a soft A or or ER on television. But it was definitely not something that even the white wrestlers would ever do on regular TV as far as cutting a promo. So this is definitely something that he deserved to be suspended for, even though it happened prior to him working there. But I, like I said, I'm not at the point where he should be necessarily fired unless more comes out where he was doing this kind of stuff in his personal life, particularly with it, him sort of being egged on with his, you know, opponent kind of saying, go ahead, do it, go ahead, do it, go ahead, do it. Assuming, obviously, that is the case of what happened. So I think he should probably, I say go away. He should definitely go away for about a month. Same thing, same way they, you know, sent Sammy Guevara away from away. Because even though while he technically said what he said about as far as, you know, his very incredibly rude and heinous remarks against uh, Sasha Banks, he did technically say it before he worked with the company, and it was a few years ago. So I think the same situation applied to him. She, she, she should be suspended. He should go away for a while. Obviously, he should lose some money. Same time, I don't think he needs to be uh, terminated altogether unless it comes out that he was doing some other stuff in his personal life as opposed to just doing stuff with the character that he shouldn't really shouldn't have done as a character. So those are that's my take on the subject. I'm I'm happy to hear your thoughts on it, uh, Chris. And then we'll get, we'll bring Brian back in in a second. I'm gonna go ahead, Brian. I'm gonna go ahead and put you on air now. But let Chris go ahead and get his thoughts in. You can present your thoughts after Chris. But anyway, Chris, the floor is yours. Uh, state your piece. All right. This time, uh, this time is working my mind. What he said was in character. I get that. And originally, my thought was, if they don't fire him, I fire AEW. I'm done with him. I won't even talk about him. If they have to be talked about on the show, I'd be done with the show. That's where I was a week ago. Then I heard all the people say, well, he was in character. And uh, this was a long time ago, and he wasn't famous, and all this other garbage. And then I was like, okay, well, they do have some points there. I would not hold an actor liable or personally responsible, I guess the proper word would be, for something he said in the movie role. Uh, in Django, Leonardo DiCaprio threw the N-word around 700 times. But for that character, that made perfect sense. Um, and there have been other movies like that where, you know, you say things that would not be what you'd say, and you say or do things that you wouldn't say or do in regular life. I get that part. But then I thought about it some more. I'm like, wait a minute. If I was to go on, you know, if I was doing a show, and A, I was so uncreative that I couldn't generate heat without being a racist. That says a lot about me as a professional wrestler, my ability to generate heat, and my creativity as a whole. If the human tornado is okay with that, the human tornado is an idiot too. And he doesn't know how to get it. The best thing you could do with that is get go away heat or empty heat. Neither one is good. They just won't, people just don't want your wrath. 
Um, and at worst, let's say this. I'm going to the white guy. They tell him he called me this. And, and random politics in America. And he calls you that, and the crowd cheers. They fuck him. The guy with the mic said what I've been thinking all night. Horrible idea. You shouldn't go down that road. Now, but at the end of the day, this is where I came to. If he would have said something negative about Jewish people, or if he had used the F word to, uh, that people use, the the F word in reference to homosexuals and as how many people would say, oh, it was a long time ago. It's cool. He was in character. It's cool. No one would say that. And I was, therefore, I'm not okay with saying it was a long time ago. It's cool. Uh, I think Mr. Uh, Excalibur does need to go away for a while. And that's, I'm not calling for his, I don't want his hand on a stake in my front yard. I don't want that. But I do think he needs to go away for two or three months. And then, you know, one, I need AEW to make an official statement on it. I need them as a company. That's just pull them off the air and not talk about it. They need to address it. They need him to go away for a while, and then he can come back and we can start over. Maybe he can come back as a grown-up without a mask on because, you know, the core audience who know who he was as a scalibur is so small, and you're not appealing to them anymore. This is now national TV. Take the mask off. Nobody knows who you are. Let's just roll forward. So I need AEW to make a statement on it, and I need him to spend some time at home. Actually, they could turn it into an angle. It turns out it was actually Dick Murdoch under the mask the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and everything comes full circle. Oh, I do I do want to uh, uh, clarify a couple points. Uh Obviously, like when you made the lead Leonardo DiCaprio over in Django, one he was just a character, he was an actor playing a character from that time period would make perfect sense. But Excalibur right. actually did write this promo, so it's not like he was just wrote it. He wasn't just reading somebody else's words from a TV show. He actually wrote the promo, so that slides it a certain way. Like I said, that's why I never said it. I want to make it clear. I'm not saying it's okay that he did it. I'm saying. I look at it a different way with it being him in character saying it, but I don't excuse it. I'm okay with a wrestling character being racist, but for the oh, most, yeah, I'm fine with it. especially especially one, obviously you have to make sure that the character's a heel if he's going to be a racist. That's number one. But two, even, even though when you yeah, yeah, when you make characters racist whether it be wrestling or just regular TV shows, you want to be creative with it to make it, quote, entertaining a little bit. You never, you don't want, you don't want the racist character. If you're, if you're doing any kind of show that involves any measure of comedy in particular, you don't want the, you don't want the character saying the N-word ever. That's never going to be funny or acceptable. You want a character to be more subtly racist. Like uh, you you ever watch uh, Everybody Hates Chris? Yes. There is this racist bully that always bothered him. In the pilot episode, he called him the N word. But the pilot episode had a little bit more dramatic tone than the rest of the show did. I think they realized from that that hurt the comedic element 
of what you were trying to say. Even though the guy's racist, there was supposed to be some comedy and levity there. So every episode after that, he might call them buckwheat or he might call them, you know, Jaime or something. He never called them that word. He was being a little bit more creative with it. You know, you can hint that you're racist without blatantly using the racial slur. You know, you, 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 there's subtle ways of showing off that your character's racist without being directly racist, just hitting you in the face with it. And I think that's part of what the problem is. So those are other things to consider as well. You know, even, even matter of fact, you ever watch a show like Sons of Anarchy? We, I know we both watched that show. You notice they never said the N-word, even though the gang, clearly there were some racist people in the gang. They never said the N-word. They said color, or they, you know, they referred to them certain ways, but they never actually used the slurs. Because, right, they didn't again, use the slurs, but they made it very clear that those people were, would never be members of that organization. Uh, the Grim, you know, they would work with the Grim Bastards or the Niners or whatever. They had, you know, a certain, they made it very clear that we wouldn't, you know, they can't be sons. That's not going to happen. But they were sure that uh, they, you know, they danced around. Exactly. And that's what you want to do. Time, no, there was one time they used it. And it was very dramatic. And I couldn't be mad at the character. Um, I want to say it was Tigger or whatever the Irish cat's name was. His daughter was being killed in front of him by the leader of the black gang, and he called him the N-word. And if you're killing my child in front of me while I'm tied up, I'm going to call you some names. <laughs> Sorry. That, in that very rare situation, it's justified. But anything short of your child being tortured to death in front of you, no, not cool. It still wouldn't be cool, but you, if you're if you're if you're a racist guy anyway, it would kind of make sense anyway that you do it. <laughs> you were just able to hold yeah. it in until that until that point. <laughs> but at that point, you wouldn't be able to hold it in anymore. <laughs> oh, and another thing, I'm sick of people using this is this is like offshoot of the problem. But I'm sick of people talking about. Well, like with Tessa Blanchard thing, talking about, well, she was mad at her. I've gotten mad at people of every culture and background I've ever come across. Racist words don't come out of my mouth because I don't think of those words. When I think, when I get angry and I just start saying the first thing that comes out of my mind, it's not suitable for national TV, but it's not racist because that's not, those aren't the words that's already in me. Exactly. Like I, like I said, uh, that's the one. That's one of my pet peeves. When I thought, well, there's there's in words of every race. No, there's idiots of every race. You're just being racist, and you're just coming up with an excuse for it. <laughs> you just want to be in his face. Yeah, and then that's your explanation for saying it after the fact. Once you've been called out on it. Anyway, let's get Brian's take on the uh, on the on the controversy. Brian, the floor is yours. Well, um, I, I I have to agree with um, you, you gentlemen. Your um, your state, y'all have stated your points very eloquently. Now, for myself, I'm gonna probably take a slightly different turn because I, I run into this all the time, and um, I um, this is um what I say. They they say, well, what about 
it, it's in rap music. So does that make um, these rappers um, who who've been saying these words for the better part of thirty years um, okay? Does it make it okay? And I said, well, answer me this. Okay, so um, if you call someone that's Jewish the K word, does that make that okay? If you if you say um, that's word to someone that's um, um, of Mexican or um, Hispanic descent, does that make that okay? It won't get quiet. So in the, say, in the in the in the correct answer is no. Here's another because here's another basic rule. People like the people that use that excuse. Well, you know, where they say it, how come I can't say it? One, you're not a part of that group. We all allow different allowances for people in a group to say stuff that even though we don't agree with it, it's sort of their right as being a part of that group. I don't support the use of the word in any context, but I kind of I'm much like more likely to grant a pass for somebody of the same ethnicity, just like you know. The F word for gay men. If gay people want to refer to themselves that way, I'm not. I'm not here to try to take that away from them. I don't necessarily agree with it, it's but it's, it's also not for me to say, "Well, you can use it." Well, why can't I? No, because I'm not part of that group. I've not shared that same experience. Just like the the same thing that applies to like family. Like you, you, you know the guy that'll that'll call his wife a bitch, but it, you bet not do it <laughs> again. Do I support him calling his wife that? No. But also, just because he does it, does that mean I should be allowed to do it too? This isn't even the only word that that applies to. There's other words. People just want to sing out that word because that's the word they really want to use. And they know if they use it, they're going to get their ass kicked. <laughs> and they don't exactly. want that. Um, I'm sorry. You know, Anytime somebody say, why can't I use it? Tell me you can't. Like, well, you can say, why can't I? Well, you want to say it? Say it. Go ahead. Right there. Say it. Right there while you look at in the eye. Let me say it. I want to say it without getting beat up, though. <laughs> well, I well, can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. I mean, we, no we... guarantees on your safety. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Didn't inter- mean to interrupt, Brian, but like I said, I, want... I have to get my points out. Otherwise, I forget them. But anyway, Brian, please proceed. Well, um, okay, pretty much, um, um, I always say this, okay, I will have no problem with that, um, it, um, okay, um, if, okay, if and when, um, people, those same people have no problem, um, degrading the Jewish community, degrading the gay and lesbian community, I say, if you, if you equal all across the board, and you could accept all the repercussions that comes with that, fine. At least you're equal. You're not racist. You're an asshole now. But until I see that, and then you, you just single now one particular group because, like I said, that's what you feel in your heart and everything, no, I'm not giving you a pass. I can see for nobody else, but I go in and I go hard because I don't see it. No one in my household say it. Um, any guests that come in my house and see it, they're getting the hell out of my house. I'm like, okay, I don't play that. I never have. I never will. I'm a, I'm a enlightened and elevated human being, and elevated human beings don't use those types of, of words. There are so many words in the English language to describe, um, what. okay, how you feel about a person. And if you really want to degrade someone, 
You don't necessarily have to use that word. It's mean different words to the great, but the question is, how creative are you? How intelligent are you? And by using words like that and degrading people to to that level, that's just telling me that um, you're basically a Neanderthal. You know, it's a sad thing when two clean-cut, all-American, good-looking guys can't hang out and be friends without hearing derogatory comments from you Neanderthals. I'm sorry, but I can't hear anybody say Neanderthals without going back to that Simon Diamond promo from ECW with Dick Hurts. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Okay, how about this? If Excella would have come out, and instead of using that language toward um, human tornado, what if you just said, made some kind of comment about how it was beneath him and Kevin Steen to have to come out there and wrestle somebody of your background or of your lineage or of your, you know, something of the, along that line? Were you insinuating that? Everybody would know it, but you just didn't, you could just dodge, you just dodged around that. And that way you can have, you know, like, oh, no, it's background. Oh, no, I mean, he's from this part of town, and people from over there I don't like. Or you could, you could dance around that better, and then it just sounds more eloquent to say, I'm a ball fighting somebody in that background. Or you don't deserve to be here for me, and you know why. There are ways you could have said, got the same message across, much more eloquent. Exactly. Like I said, be creative with your racism. Creative racism is more funny anyway. It's more funny, more entertaining. <laughs> if you're trying to go use it for entertainment, obviously. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about just like, you know, random racism on the street. We're talking about if you're using it for, quote, entertainment purposes to show a character's a heel or somebody that you want to lose. So. Anyway, I just came up with a solution to the, the problem, though. There's all these people that want to use it, but they're not allowed to. So I've come up with a way to allow one person to use it per year. Walk with me on this. Every year, WrestleMania weekend, we hold a letter, money in the bank letter match for the N-word. Every white person in the world that wants to use it has to compete in the match. Basically, they have to all fight to the death until the one person can climb that letter with the briefcase that gives them the chance to use the word once. Now, I know what you're thinking, but you're still letting one use it. But think about it. If we could let a bunch of racist people kill each other just so they could use the word one time, I think that's a fair trade. What do you guys think? That, that, that's fair. And I, I'll, I'll give you another option in case they don't want to fight to the death. Everybody, who wants, every white person wants to use the word. They can get a 30-day pass to use it as much as they like. We'll give them paperwork and everything. But only one person gets it. And the cost to get that word is $100. Now, everybody who wants to be in this contest has to send in $100. And we'll use it however we see fit. And, and if, you know, and once a year, out of all the people who sent us $100, we'll draw a name, and that person gets used. That's actually a better lottery than the, the lethal lottery from WCW or the deadly draw from 
from AEW's women division. <laughs> I like it. Everybody, could you imagine you get, say, let's just say, 15 million people getting $100 for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Joe Thomas of uh, uh, Council Bluff, Iowa, is the winner. Is your paperwork, Joe? You know what I'm picturing that I kind of like about that, too? I'm picturing him just, he's one of those people that's yelling at people at the restaurant, and he's yelling at people at the street, and just when he's about to get his ass kicked, somebody's rolling up to punch him. He's like, whoa, 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 I got my laminate right here. He pulls out, he's pulling his lanyard out, and it's laminated, and he shows it, it's like, oh, he's, I guess he's allowed to use it. Okay, well, you know. Go ahead, proceed, sir. Tim's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, wait, hold on. You say that again? Oh, dude, it's twelve oh five. That's fire. Oh, <laughs> back to the ass whoopings, then. <laughs> I forgot about daylight savings time. <laughs> anyway. If we could, if we could have a too many black guys segment that ends on a note like that, was laughter. I think that's the perfect time to do it. So, you've been listening to Wrestler Problems, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Lagan every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And, of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And, by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation.
Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. The morning after, right here on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Brady Hicks and... Homeboy Rap Boy here. I tell you what, we got a good show right here in the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time on the VOC Nation. Talking wrestling, football, news, whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. I came looking for booty. I like you and I want you. Now we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. Well, I don't think you and I will be doing anything any kind of way.